podcast that comes at boxing from every angle from the fans opinion expert analysis and the added insight of what the bookmakers think might happen welcome to punch's chance on the pinnacle podcast we are back for another episode of punch's chance as ever there's plenty to talk about in the world of boxing some big fights coming up a load of interesting betting markets to analyze and luckily, I'm joined by two experts to go through all of that. We've got Pinnacle's Chris McCarthy and Tom Craze from the Boxing Betting Show. How are you guys? You're right. All good, Ben. All good, yeah. Yeah, great, Ben. Thanks for having me back. Good stuff. Um, I think a lot of this week we try and look ahead to the fights coming up, but I think the obvious place for us to start is to maybe take a little look back because on our on our last pod we focused on Dillian White and, and Alexander Povetkin now. While both of you said White should do the business, I think in in fairness as well, there was there was plenty of talk on the on the pod about that one punch potential. That's obviously what we saw. White was seemingly cruising, and then before you know it, it's over in the blink of an eye. Um, we have got the inevitable rematch already. Um, before we get into that, I just I just like to maybe know kind of recapping what were your thoughts on the first fight, and it seemed like your analysis was pretty much spot on, apart from that that punch that we we were worried about did come around. So, so Chris, I'll go to you first. What were your thoughts? Well, yeah, um, it was the old uh, cliche, wasn't it, of uh, punches, chance, obviously, um, it come around. Um, in terms of the fight, I mean, I thought that White was actually boxing well, nearly a punch-perfect fight for about four rounds. He was, you know, had a good jab, hands high, dropped Povetkin a couple of times, and it almost seemed, you know, it was only a matter of time before... The finish finish was going to come but then on the on the flip side obviously looking back and kind of analyzing it um Povetkin was setting traps for white um and i did notice i think he threw the left hook to the body something like i think i counted something like 26 27 times it was a similar shot and he was kind of trying to set him up and when that left hook landed it was uh, a bit of a shocker but Looking back on it, it was something that Povetkin was, you know, obviously looking to land all fight. And I I think from looking what he was doing in the ring, it looked like he was he was planning it pre-fight as well. So it was uh, from watching it, when I was watching it, I was in total shock as soon as he landed. But um, in terms of looking back and analysing it, it, it was a uh, it was a great shot from Povetkin. It certainly wasn't a certainly wasn't a lucky punch. What a lot of people are saying um, that was far from a lucky punch. That was beautifully timed beautifully set up and uh the delivery of it was literally punch perfect yeah i think to echo what chris has said there um i mean hindsight is twenty twenty. obviously povetkin was at the very worst going into that fight a very very live underdog um at, at the price especially um but it, it's quite easy to be um sort of revisionist on this isn't it you know Povetkin's price stayed, stayed like it was because not many people fancied him to to get the job done. You know, the the, the weight of money was certainly on on Dillian White. Um, he, I absolutely agree with you, Chris. He he certainly 
he won the the bulk of the first few rounds. Obviously, scored the 10-8 round in the fourth with Povetkin down twice. And from there, as you said, everyone kind of just felt it was a matter of time if it was going to be in the fifth round, sixth round, or you know, it, it seemed unlikely it would go the distance from that point. Um but it and it wasn't really picked up on the on the commentary either in terms of certainly the sky commentary, which felt very kind of pro white. Povetkin, I think, won definitely won the first round and then had his moments in 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 kind of the others that followed as well. So yeah, th- there was no doubt that it was it was something he'd studied. Um and the knockout when it came obviously was a a kind of an unbelievable moment, you know, as a KO of the year, I'd be very surprised if it wasn't. Um, but it, it did certainly feel like a bolt from the blue just because it was going against the uh, the, the kind of, it, it turned the tide so quickly and so spectacularly. But if, if you look at the the knockout again, it was, it was, it was something that people have picked up on White before and, and partly potentially due to his you know, kind of previous kickboxing um, experiences on. He, he has a tendency to back up in straight lines sometimes and, and maybe he was kind of playing possum a little bit and, and kind of drawing Povetkin onto the ropes as he was trying to, or maybe he just got a bit complacent. But he threw this very kind of lazy uh, right hand, I think it was. Uh, and Povetkin, as, as he often does, very kind of compact fighter, you know, just slipped under. Uh, and instead of going for what you'd expect to have been a body shot or, or kind of an overhand, um, he, he kind of switched into this sudden uppercut um, straight down the middle or rather straight up the middle. Um, and, and White just didn't see it, see it coming at all. You know, he was out before it hit the floor, uh, before he hit the floor rather. And it, it was one of those moments that reminds you how good Povetkin actually is because it wasn't just a hail, uh, a kind of a hail Mary. It wasn't just a haymaker. It was a beautifully set up two punch combination. Um, and, and, and yeah, he deserves all the plaudits. Yeah. Yeah, I'll touch on that as well, what Tom said as well, because I think we touched on the pod in the past uh, on the previous episode. But like if I, I I think me and Tom both said, obviously, we fancy White unless there is, you know, a miraculous left hook from Povetkin or he catches White. I didn't expect it to come like that because White's, White's a guy, he like he likes to exchange. And a lot of the times when he has been like hurt or dropped has been when he's exchanging so obviously anyone at top level or heavyweight if you exchange there's always a chance of being badly knocked out um just look at the you know kind of joshua ruiz fight if people want to compare it to that but that was when joshua was exchanging um i didn't expect it to come in that kind of manner i think povetkin i think that was the shock with it because white was just so in control kind of boxing quite well you're thinking oh he's only a couple more rounds softening him up and then all of a sudden just you know bam like he's, he's just gone from nowhere and it was just almost a complete shocker I mean the thing like I said the thing that shocked me more was the way it was actually delivered rather than the way that he got knocked out I always thought if White was going to get knocked out or hurt in the fight which was definitely possible I thought he'd come in like an exchange or where he gets a bit reckless but the only thing he really kind of got reckless was that he dropped drop the right hand and against someone with a left hook like Povetkin, um, that's kind of suicide and he paid the price for it. Well, yeah, as you both said, it was an absolute beauty of a punch. White was lights out before he hit the floor, but he was also trying to get a rematch as early as the post-match interviews, I think. And it is done now, what are we, November the 21st? And odds are already up. 
White is is 1.406 this time around. I can't quite remember where he actually closed, but I know when we were talking on the pod before, it was I'm pretty sure he dropped below 1.4 at, at one point. So it's it's pretty close to where we were before. Maybe a little bit more of a question mark over White, a little bit of doubt given what we saw. Um, Povetkin is 3.05. Now, I guess it's a question of, is that 30-ish percent just the chance of him landing another great punch and setting White up? Or, or as you said, Chris, maybe getting it through that exchange and bringing White onto him. But what are your thoughts in terms of them pricing it up again? It's, it's straight after the, the the fight that we've just seen. Is it a case of we just go again and you rinse and repeat your analysis from before? Or, or have you learned more about Povetkin? He's, he's old, but he kind of showed people something a little bit different or showed that he can still fight at that level. So if you're if you're looking at the prices now, has has anything changed from your analysis when we had that pod last month? I think I think the main kind of question mark that will come in the rematch is almost is it too soon for White to kind of take the rematch? I mean, um I can't remember the exact date of when the fight was, but I think it's roughly when the rematch comes around, it'll round round about be about three, four months or so since the fight. Um, is that is that too soon? I mean, if you've if you've been knocked out by one punch as brutally as that, um, psychologically as a fighter, it's going to have a you know a detrimental effect. And I suppose again, going back to if you're going to make a comparison, a recent kind of comparison, you'd probably be looking at like the Joshua um, Andy Ruiz fight, where people will say, oh, that was like a shock but it was kind of a different scenario there where Joshua was he was kind of beat up dropped multiple times um and then kind of knocked out after that and stopped but with the white fight getting knocked out like that so so brutally it's it's how is he gonna like how is he gonna approach it because it's always gonna be on your mind is he gonna I, I personally don't think he's got the kind of mental capabilities of a fighter looking at that and looking at his past performances to be able to box to a plan sufficiently for 12 rounds, get on his feet and move. Because when you look at Povetkin, he's he, he's got like the three main qualities like a fighter should have. He's got good chin, pretty calm under pressure, and he's kind of a master of the basics. And he has that equaliser in the left hook, which he's used so many times. Um, so... It's a difficult one because if you're looking at the odds, like we say, well, I think White, like you touched on it, Ben, was like one, I think he was about 1.28, 1.3, really short price in the first fight. Um, coming into the second fight, like you say, I think he's one, 1.406. So can a 1.3 shot and a 1.406 shot, can that, can that upset happen twice? I mean, that's in a double if you're putting that in an accumulator against that's a you know two huge upsets big price so it's a difficult one i think it's probably factored in with a bit of a margin for the bookmaker in terms of the risk they kind of i think a lot of it is to do with povetkin's age as well i mean at 41 they they kind of always think he's going to slow down but it's it's a it's a very very tough one to call i don't know what tom thinks on it i mean i've i could I've got a slight inkling of how I think it will go. It's a very hard fight to call. If I was, for me personally, it's a no bet. But obviously, people won't want to hear that on the podcast. But it's it's a uh, it's a very difficult fight to call. And I I slightly favour Povetkin again. I just think that White's kind of 
I don't know. I think his conditioning still doesn't look too great. I don't think he's a bad fighter. I think he's a good fighter. Um, I just don't think he'll ever be able to sit at the top with them guys and kind of mix it. And although Povetkin's not at the very top, he is a he is a good a good solid fighter and probably go similar way to the first one. But it's a, it's a tough one to call. Go on, go on then, Tom. No pressure, but we don't want another no bet. What What are your thoughts on this one? <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks for that, Chris. Um, it, I think it was interesting in terms of the rematch odds because it actually opened uh, across the industry. Why opened at um, two to nine um, on? So what's that? One point two two. What's that? Eighty two percent. So the. And, and, and you're right, for the first fight, he was about 1.3. He, he went off as, as favourite. And and so for White to be priced up for the rematch at 1.22 suggests that the layers responsible for that uh, original price were then saying, well, yeah, White won every round and, and just got clipped by you know a, a punch from the gods, which wasn't really the case. And I think that's really quite unfair in in terms of that initial price that the the odds were wider than they were for the first fight that doesn't make a lot more sense i think the way it's settled now with um as we say Povetkin um 2 to 1 3.0 yeah, and and white at 1.4 that feels about about right um because you you have to factor that into the you have to factor the first fight into the when um, you know when pricing up the second fight that's kind of nonsense not to do it and just to kind of say well it, it was it was a, a fluke punch a lucky shot it it wasn't by any stretch and secondly as Chris as Chris touched on there in terms of the 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 kind of damaging mental effect that's going to have on White you know he's psychologically obviously a very very strong um very strong guy but it's a quick turnaround physically he's going to want at least 10 weeks um in camp and and mentally he's you know, he's only ever been stopped um, by Povetkin and by Joshua, of course. So there's going to be that doubt in there. Um, I think the original plan was certainly was to have this fight, uh, the rematch at the O2, of obviously White's home city in front of, you know, a, a pro-White crowd. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. It's going to be an empty arena, uh, I would imagine, um, kind of mid-November. I can't imagine the situation in the UK is going to change much. Um, or kind of improve to, to let kind of crowds in. So if you look at that and say, well, Povetkin's won, you know, his last three wins have all come against British fighters now on British soil. Um, David uh, David Price, Huey Fury, Dillian White, he, you know, he feels at home here. And when you take out the crowd, you're kind of on neutral, you know, you're on neutral ground now anyway. So, yeah, I think if, if, if you're looking at the percentages for white to be seventy percent plus, it's a little bit. It's you know there's there's an argument that's a little bit tight, and Povetkin two to one to give him only a one in three shot of winning a, a rematch where he's won so impressively before. I think if you're looking for value, you you'd have to go with that. Do you, do you think Tom with like the thing like to touch on what you said because he like obviously people make the comparisons at heavyweight. Every time someone gets knocked out by one punch, you know, with like, you know, Lewis Ratman, Lewis McCall, etc. like that. Lewis obviously come back to, you know, win those fights like handsomely. Um, but then Dillian White, like people are going saying, oh, yeah, you know, Dillian White's going to win. But Dillian White isn't, you know, he's not as fast as Lennox Lewis. He doesn't have the foot speed of Lennox Lewis. He doesn't move around, like minimize opponents like Lennox Lewis. So to me, it's a, 
it's an interesting way that they've priced it up um, in terms of, I agree with you in terms of saying that it's more around that because he was short the first time. It's the way that I personally would not touch White at 1.4 against Povetkin after seeing that. Um, but then again, on the flip side, it's hard to say, am I confident enough to think that Povetkin can do that exact same thing again to White? It's a, it's a very, uh, very hard one. I don't know. People I've seen a lot of people, like you say, making the comparison with those kind of things with Lennox Lewis. But I was like looking at it and thinking, well, you know, Dillian White isn't Lennox Lewis. Do you know what I mean? Dillian White isn't going to, isn't going to, you know, box like Lennox Lewis doesn't take advantage, doesn't have them capability. So it's not as if, you know, you're going to go in and think, oh, well, this will just happen because that's what happened with Lennox Lewis. It's a complete different level of fire. Yeah, it, it is. And I think it's, you know, if you look at the big heavyweight upsets of all time, Lewis Rackman, Joshua Ruiz, you know, for example, which spawned a rematch, it's, I think it's actually not kind of an unfair comparison because firstly, as you say, White isn't on the level of certainly Lewis, um, but also Povetkin is so much better than, you know, Ruiz wasn't a top 10 fighter, uh, top 10 heavyweight, you know, Rackman was, was kind of fringe as well. So Povetkin's been, you know, a top five-ish heavyweight for, you know, the best part of a decade now. Um, and he's so often overlooked, you know, he's so well-schooled. And, and I think that knockout last time just showed, you know, it was kind of a, that was that was drilled, you know. He he's kind of got the amateur pedigree that certainly you know someone like Rackman doesn't. That you know that was just a that was just a shot completely from the out of nothing. Povetkin engineered that KO. He he knows exactly what he's doing in there, and you just have to switch off for that for that second, um, and and it will be enough. I I agree. I I couldn't touch White at um, at one point four here. He he may well win. I certainly don't have. I can't say I have confidence in Povetkin to win. But purely looking at numbers, he's got a better than a 33% chance. One of the interesting things that you both brought up was was the kind of mental aspect of White being able to bounce back and recover on, on such a quick turnaround. And it feels like a lot of the time for Povetkin now, people are often talking about his age. I mean, the guy's 41. Do you think now, is that when we're, we're having a quick turnaround on the fight, he, he needs to be there and, and stay in the fight to, to engineer that punch that he got? Is that anything to kind of worry you if you're looking at that value play on, on a potential Povetkin knockout? Or do you think he is a professional, he's been doing it for so long that, that he's he'll get through that camp without any issues? Yeah, I mean, it's one of them, isn't it, where if, like obviously, with White was winning the first four rounds, I mean, if White then finished the job in the fifth round, we'd all be sitting here saying, you know, Povetkin's finished 41 way over the hill, you know, bit of a joke, that fight kind of thing, needs to get in with someone good. Um, the fact that he landed that just shows that kind of, it's like the cunning old fox at heavyweight. He kind of pulled out his box of tricks and kind of schooled Dillian White with his tricks. It's it's like the old master. He just delivered a perfect punch. And it kind of, I think it shows the level of ability that he has. Because like Tom touched on, he is, a, well, he has been a top five heavyweight for around, you know, well, forever from from where from I can remember, it feels like he's been around, you know, for no end of time. And he has got a you know extensive amateur background. He you know he's a medalist at the Olympics. He's been around the gyms. He's boxed all the top guys. He's sparred all the top guys. He's he's been around the block. He knows, and it might just be that he knows a bit too much for White. I think um, White, like you say, wasn't 
doesn't have anywhere near the kind of amateur experience of someone like a Povetkin. Um, I think a lot of the price before was factored in off going off form. Um, the form guide was with Wyatt. Uh, obviously, you know, he was the guy who's meant to get the title shot. He's been waiting around for the title, this title shot for uh, no end of time. So it's almost like the momentum's with White. I just think that everyone, including ourselves, I think kind of maybe overlooked the skill set of Povetkin compared to the skill set of White because Povetkin is a much more skilled fighter than Dillian White. Um, and like you say, he's not got some of the other attributes that maybe Dillian White has at the minute, but in terms of an actual skill set and knowing knowing boxing, knowing the game, knowing how to negate that punch, knowing how to, you know, to, to deliver a shot of that calibre just shows that he's always going to be in there with that, sorry to say, with the puncher's chance. And I think it's a bit more than a puncher's chance after looking at that um, that first fight. I, I, think, I think what I would just add to that is, as well is that, yeah, it, it, it's a fairly quick turn. You know, three months is a fairly quick turnaround for any kind of top fighter in, in this day and age, really. But at the same time, it's the same turnaround for both of them. And Povetkin's a little bit older, but it, it feels like people have been writing him off because of his age for, you know, he, it feels like he's been 40-odd for a long, long time and he keeps proving people wrong. And I think if I was going to be, if I had the choice to be any of the two guys, I would be the guy who is three months older than I was when I scored my best ever F, you know, my best ever career win rather than the guy who just been knocked out and had his kind of world title dreams taken away from him, at least, you know, temporarily. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously with this fight's not for another kind of six, seven weeks and I'm, I'm sure we'll be on a pod before then. And we'll, we'll kind of dive into it a little bit deeper, but we have also got a lot of Great fights coming up that we can look at. I mean, we're, we're sport for choice, really. We've got Lomachenko, Lopez in a couple of weeks on the, the 17th of October. Davis Santa Cruz is then like a week after that. And then Usyk Chisora is at the end of October. Um, we'll start with the, the Lomachenko fight. No surprise to see him so short. 1.289. Lopez in at 3.75. Um, Tom, I'll go over to you first. What do you see happening in this fight? And obviously... Lomachenko is a pretty short favourite, but maybe just a little bit on on why he's so short and, and how he's able to dominate so much. Yeah, I mean, this is the, I think it's the best fight since boxing's come back from its kind of uh, lockdown. Um, Lomachenko, talent-wise, is, you know, in, in terms of pure talent, probably no worse than second best in the world and, you know, one of the best of his generation already. Um you know, multiple weight world champion, multiple time Olympic champion. Um, this is, yeah, he's uh, 1.28, um, so 78% chance. The, in many ways, he's got everything going for him here in terms of ability. He's got far more experience. He's got a greater skill set. He's more versatile. He's, you know, a tricky southpaw. Um, but it's it kind of, in many ways, it feels a bit like, Lopez is on I've kind of drawn a parallel before between this and when Canelo took on Mayweather you have this kind of brash upstart against you know a generational great if Lopez loses then he doesn't lose much stock you know he'll he'll learn a lot from it he'll kind of regroup and go again that's fine he's only 23 years old Lomachenko's probably past his prime he's, he's kind of in his early 30s but he he knows all there is to know about 
you know, he, he's not going to get any better. And he's, I think, potentially crucially, if you're looking for an angle against him, he's fighting above his best weight here. He's This is going to be his fifth fight at lightweight. But he's he's only gone up in weight to, to kind of fight the best and find the best challenges. So he's in with a guy who's a really, who, who's stronger than him, who's a much bigger puncher. Um, and I mean, part of it, you, you could look at it very, very kind of, um, objectively here and say 78% chance for a Lomachenko to win a boxing match. That sounds pretty good. Um, but Tiafimo Lopez is is the type of guy who can challenge him here. He's He's got real knockout power. Um, you know, last time I wiped out uh, Richard Comey, who's a really durable kind of guy. A lot of people thought that was going to be a tough, tough fight. Knocked him out in two rounds. Lopez has that youth um, and, and certainly that momentum. And... Style-wise, it's a really interesting fight. I do think Lomachenko is going to win, um, but I think he'll, there'll be some hairy moments along the way. Yeah, I uh, I tend to agree um, with Tom. I think that obviously with Lomachenko, everyone knows you know how good he is, how good he has been. Um, I think the only way that you can currently beat Lomachenko, and it's touching a bit on what Tom said, is probably by size and stature. I don't think there's anyone at that weight or at any weight, really, who can match him for skill set. I mean, the guy is absolutely incredible. Um, and it's not so much his power or anything like that. It's more the way that he can just he can just set a, a, a pace for 12 rounds and almost kind of pirouette around his opponent. Um, a lot of his fights, uh, especially at world championship level, don't end by a kind of a concussive knockout. I know he knocked um, Martinez out cold but other than that a lot of them they kind of quit on their store just pretty much give up because <laughs> they uh they kind of just you know they just think well this is just you know what's the point of going in there with this guy he's just so good that i'm not going to get anywhere near him and they kind of give up like nicholas walters guys like that like top you know good level fighters gary russell jr he's just dominated and like absolutely dominated him and uh, so i think that like tom said i i do give lopez a chance in this but i think and I, I really rate him. I, I find it a very kind of strange matchup that's been made because, like Tom said, with the Mayweather-Canelo fight, it's almost as if, because I think they're both with top rank, I believe, with both with Bob Arum. So obviously that's probably why it's been made. But you've got a 23-year-old guy who has potential to be a huge star. I mean, he's got the Puerto Rican kind of New York heritage. His dad is his trainer and much. He's a bit like Danny Garcia's dad, if people watch him, Angel Garcia. He, kind of traps off and gives it all the brash talk and things like that, builds up the fight. So he's got great promotional drive and it feels a bit strange that they're sticking him in together so early. Whether that's kind of Bob Arum and Top Rank thinking, you know, well, if Lump, if uh, sorry, if Lopez loses, his stock's going to rise because people are, you know, obviously going to know who he is because he boxed Lomachenko. And then if he wins, obviously he's going to take the, take the mantelpiece and the flame and top guy at, top guy at lightweight. But, the, it's, it's a brilliant fight. It's one that I'm looking forward to. I think that the trouble that L I think Lopez will find is that it's going to be, he, he's a guy who likes to kind of sit down on his punches. Um, he's got a, you know, a big knockout punch. I think he's stopped predominantly 90, 95% of his opponents so far. Um, Tom touched before in stopped Richard Comey in his last fight. That was a huge, huge kind of punch and like a shock that he knocked him out so early because Comey's a, you know, world champion world championship level fighter um i just feel that i think lopez 
Lomachenko is better all round than Lopez, and I think Lopez is if he relies on getting that one punch off on Lomachenko, he could come very unstuck because once Lomachenko starts setting a pace and kind of getting into his rhythm and things like that, then it's very, very hard to kind of keep up with him. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one. I favour I favor Lomachenko to win this. Um, I favour him. I, if I had to, I'd probably pick him to win on points. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if he stopped Lopez late, but I kind of, it's a tough one because Lopez hasn't been in so high to see how, you know, how good his durability is, how good his chin is. Um, he seems like a bit of a, he's a bit of a, crazy kind of dude who you kind of almost think and know that he's got a you know he can take a punch he's got a good chin Lomachenko's probably not going to knock you out with one punch so it's more wearing you down but I, I would say that if I had to pick a, a prediction this fight for me it'll be Lomachenko late or Lomachenko on points um and it would more be if Lomachenko does stop him it would be kind of Lopez being pulled out or kind of giving up but I do I do think this is probably Lomachenko's potentially his toughest fight to date since he's been a professional. Um, Size-wise, Lopez is bigger than him. And I think that could be a factor. Um, it'll just be interesting. It'll be interesting to see. I think it's fascinating to see what happens if Lopez does catch Lomachenko. And he's going to need to push Lomachenko back, which is very hard. So he's going to need to hurt him early, I think, to kind of get the respect. If he doesn't hurt him early and he doesn't kind of, implement that punch early I think it'll be a long a long night for him but if he can catch him early and then kind of hurt Lomachenko and push him back it'll he's got he's definitely he's got a chance in this he's a, he's a very exciting young talent he's you know it's a brilliant fighter and it's an interesting one to see I just think that Lomachenko at this point in their careers a little bit know a bit too much for him and be a bit too slick well just outside of this fight, I mean, it does concern Lomachenko, but Tom, it was interesting for me to hear you kind of hesitate ever so slightly in terms of Lomachenko being at worst number two. Do you, do you put him at number one or or if number two, who have you got ahead of him? Is it Alvarez? Is it someone else? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends how you're defining pound for pound. And it, it used to be the, the old mantra of, you know, who would win if everyone was the same size. That you know, I remember that's how my kind of dad taught me what pound for pound meant. That's kind of evolved over the years now, and it's it's now this kind of almost like a chart. You know, who's achieved more in their career, and I think the number one in that sense is is um, Alvarez, as you say. And I think most would agree um, in terms of his in terms of his CV. You know, it's, he's got an unbelievable record um, in p- terms of pure talent. I think Lomachenko is number one. Um, he's perhaps lacking those kind of signature win so um and that explains in part the reason that he keeps moving up he's looking for the biggest names whereas Canelo you 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 know he's got the Golovkins he's got the Kovalevs and so on so yeah I I, certainly I don't think in terms of um talent Lomachenko is is far off Terence Crawford is probably the most well-rounded fighter in the game but again he's lacking that real real big win um but in in terms of a fighter you enjoy watching the most I think any any kind of purist would would pick Lomachenko. Yeah, so it's like you say this mythical pound for pound title, which everyone compares. It was, I mean, since kind of Floyd Mayer and Manny Pacquiao have dropped off the mantle, it's become people have had a lot more debate over it because before it was obviously you know Floyd Mayer was number one. 
Manny Pacquiao's number two, them two boxed, Floyd Mayweather won. He was, you know, regarded as a top guy. I think that, like Tom said, I think that what Alvarez has in his, in his, um, as it, to his advantage as such is the fact that he's boxed so many of these well-known names. Um, he's had a lot of questionable decisions earlier in his career um, with the judges, which a lot of people dispute. And I think that you'd have to put him number one based on his record and who he's beat. Um, but in terms of if you're talking about talent and kind of skill set and things like that, I think that Lomachenko is a more skilled fighter. But then, like you say, Alvarez has that on his record. And Terence Crawford, again, yeah, he's probably around three. But again, he hasn't. What What is Terence Crawford's best win kind of thing? Terence Crawford's great fighter. You know, he's obviously a very well-rounded fighter, well-schooled. Um, but when you're looking at his best win, you know, he's kind of beat Ricky Burns, kind of uh, past his prime, Amir Khan, um, guys like that. It's, it's, he hasn't really got that standout win to be there. And I think that when you're talking about a pound-for-pound pound fighter, guys at the very, very top end of the sport, when we're looking back at, you know, like the Roy Jones and people like that who were who were the top guys in the sport who have been pound-for-pound, pound, I think you need them you need them big names on your record and you need to be in them kind of, you need to be in them super fights to kind of define and prove that you are pound for pound. And I think that, I think Lomachenko's on his way. Um, and I think this is, a, this is a fight that can push him further towards that. I mean, if he was to go out and do a serious number on Lopez, um, there would be big arguments to whether he was number one or not, I think. But um, at the minute, I would have to say Canelo's got to be pound for pound due to the, due to his record and the resume of, the fighters that he's actually beaten well let's get on to davis santa cruz because that's another one it's uh, a couple of weeks after and again we've got what you have to say would be a, a worthy short favorite priced at 1.227 it means davis is is i mean it's 80 plus percent chance of winning the fight i don't think many will have it any other way maybe slightly less it's it's a difficult one and i guess the question is here and, and Chris, I'll send it over to you first, is why is he so sure and, and what sort of fight do you think we'll see here? Yeah, I think that the in terms of the price and the odds in this one, I think that it's, a lot of it is down to size. I think that um, as good as both of them are and as good as Santa Cruz is, I think that I think he started his career at around, I think he started his career at Bantamweight, if I'm not if I'm not correct, I think around about bantamweight, which is about 118 pound, he's moving up, uh, or has been moving up in weight. I think this fight is made at 130, I think, which which would be super featherweight. Um, is it made at lightweight? Is it okay? Yeah. So, um, so if it's a world, that's even worse. If it's made at lightweight, then one three. If that's at one three five, then I would believe that is heavily white factors in because tank tank is naturally bigger than Santa Cruz. Um, bigger guy Santa Cruz very very good boxer um but obviously Tank Tank being the bigger stronger guy that's obviously going to favor because when you're getting especially when you're looking at when you're looking at skill sets in boxing and kind of fights that come around if you've got a guy who's a natural say for example Leo Santa Cruz is a natural featherweight then Tank is a natural kind of lightweight when you're going into these big fights it does make a difference if the guy's coming up there's a lot of people kind of sometimes overlooking especially for, especially for people who are maybe not so informed on boxing betting um if it's probably a good lesson to know that when you're 
if you're betting on a certain fight, for example, if you look at the guy where they started their career, that is kind of if they're on that kind of similar age range, that's the that's where that that's their natural kind of size a lot of the time. So, for example, uh, someone like Canelo versus Amir Khan. If you take that, Amir Khan started his career at 18 years old, which is lightweight, kind of. And uh, Canelo starts his career at, well, I think he was about 12, wasn't he, Tom? But yeah. uh, and then, but then he was about 16, 17, uh, kind of well away. And then, but then when that fight comes around and they mix it in, they're at a, they're at, he's at a massive disadvantage due to that. And I think that that kind of plays into the price in this one. Um, the odds, yeah, I, I favour. If Tank's coming down in weight, if it had been at if it had been at one thirty, I'd probably give Santa Cruz a bigger chance. Um, at one thirty-five, I don't give him too much of a chance. Very good, you know, very good boxer. Santa Cruz got long arms, knows how to utilize range. Um, he has been pretty inactive over the past few years. Um, Tank's obviously trained by Floyd Mayweather, so as people who have followed Floyd Mayweather's career know that. He's going to try and get all the advantages in this one. Um, and I think size is an advantage in this one um, in terms of the price, the way that it's factored in. And I think that's why he's favoured in that in, in that aspect. You, you know what? I'm going to have to hold my hands up there because I'm getting a little bit confused myself. I think for anyone listening, it's probably best to get used to me getting um, picks wrong in, in the long term. But this is actually at super featherweight. As you said, there's a lot of weight jumping going around here. And I think this is the story of the fight. This so for any for, for kind of context, Davis has gone up to lightweight from Super Feather. He's coming that, back down again now and pulling up um, Santa Cruz, who previously in his last fight fought at Super Featherweight, but before that fought at Featherweight. So they're they're kind of jumping around, meeting somewhere in the middle. Davis has been criticised for kind of being a bit of a weight bully sometimes he's fought guys from a lower division whereas actually you know the kind of the mantra you know pick on someone your own size which is a funny thing to say for someone who's five foot five like he is but he's um yeah in in theory you'd expect him to be too powerful for Santa Cruz you know Davis has stopped all but one of his um opponents 22 knockouts from 23 wins Santa Cruz is a very very good featherweight um has you know fought one guy at, at, at super feather but his strength is really in his volume punching you know we saw it in the two frampton fights he throws a huge number of, of punches in, in most fights he throws i think over well over a thousand punches in a 12 round fight which is phenomenal really so he's gonna he's he's a bit of a dynamo he's gonna keep going and going and, and you know just in, try and win this fight in terms of sheer output and try and I guess, I guess distract Davis from setting himself for the big kind of, um, you know, the, the kind of knockout shots that he will be looking for. It might just be that Davis kind of finds him a little bit like a, you know, a wasp buzzing around him on a, on a summer's day and, and sort of swats him a little bit. But again, I think it's an entertaining fight, but I think in terms of the price, 80% for Davis. Yeah. I, I don't have much problem with that. Well, another great fight that we've got coming up is obviously the Usyk Chisora fight. Um, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Usyk has had one heavyweight bout already, um, but it's obviously going to be a lot different coming up against Chisora. I mean, the guy can take a punch; he can certainly dish him out. Um, 
Usyk on points, given his size and the fact that he's moving up, is is probably the obvious call for a lot of people, I guess. Tom, is that one that you agree with, or, or do you think we're going to see things play out a little bit differently? Yeah, I think, as you say, Ben, the, the obvious question here is, can Usyk take a proper heavyweight punch? And that's not, and you know, I realise that's not particularly insightful, but he's he's been waiting, a, or he's been waiting, and I think everyone has kind of been waiting expectantly for Usyk to really kind of make his debut at heavyweight. He he fought Chaz Witherspoon, who was, you know, a, a journeyman really in his first fight. Injuries and obviously COVID have put this one right off. Um, Usyk is, again, technically he's an outstanding fighter. And the, the way that he can win this fight is not to get involved. Chisora, you know, his the guy's nickname is literally War. He, he likes to fight one way. He's on a, a really good run of, of knockouts um, Takam, Svil- Svilka and David Price, he's, he's got momentum. If Usyk's got any sense, and I think the strategy will be, uh, you know, he's one of the most intelligent boxers in the game, but he won't engage here. He won't get into the wheelhouse of, of Chisora, who's much, much bigger. He's, he's going to be about probably 40, 50 pounds heavier than Usyk on the night, and, and Chis- uh, than Chisora, rather. And Chisora is going to really try and rough him up and, and, and kind of drag him into an inside fight. Um, if Usyk boxes at range, I think the key to victory here is we've seen Chisora struggle in the past against um, really kind of fluid movers and, and, and southpaws, which uh, Usyk is. We saw it in the Tyson Fury rematch, and Fury really neutralized Chisora there and really had him kind of confuddled with switching to southpaw and back to orthodox. And uh, and Chisora fought the European champion over in Monte Carlo, um, a guy called Cabiel, and Again, Chisora could just do nothing with him. He was he was kind of he, Chisora gets frustrated as as well when a fight isn't going his way. He's happy to mix it up with with guys like Dillian White and Takam, guys who are going to stand in front of him and trade. But when someone is kind of leaving him um, leaving him guessing uh, and and kind of switching and, and and keeping him at arm's length, particularly with a, a fighter as well schooled as Usyk, I think. The obvious outcome is an Usyk decision, um, and with, with Chisora, you know, at five point five, eighteen percent. I think the big question for me here is: Does he have more than a punch to his chance? I think probably slightly. In you know, to be fair to him, he could win a fight not just by one big shot, but by you know, a, a kind of an inside battle if he gets there. But the question is, what price do you put on a puncher's chance? And 18% against Usyk, I'm, I'm not convinced. Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree, again, certain aspects with Tom. I mean, this one, for me, is a little bit more plain sailing, I think, than some people think. I think that Usyk is just going to be able to move a bit far too well for Chisora, who is a bit of a plodder um, himself. And when you talk about and we was looking back at the other fights with the you know giving giving a guy a punch as chance, which yeah that is always there at heavyweight. The thing with Zora is the thing that he lacks is if you look at the guys that he's actually kind of stopped, he's not really a one punch concussive knockout artist. I know he knocked out you know Carlos Takam with a shot, but it was almost a, a surprise. He's more a guy who's like up in your chest, you know, kind of digging away, pressure fighter coming forward. I think Usic has seen a lot of these kind of guys in his career. Um, and I think that there's this kind of thing around Usic where people are like, oh, is he, you know, is he big enough to to come in at heavyweight and kind of mix with the big guys? I mean, he, he might not be as big as a Tyson Fury and things like that, but in terms of 
or even an Anthony Joshua, but in terms of Derek Chisora, um, what he brings to the table, Usic has boxed, you know, guys like Joe Joyce in the World Series of Boxing. He sparred a lot of these big guys. So the fact that Chisora is a big guy and, you know, relentless and powerful and comes forward, I don't think it's going to be too much of a shock to, to Usic. And I, you know, I rate, I rate Usic a lot. And the thing with, um, what people have been touching on as well. I think Tom said that he, he boxed Chaz Witherspoon last time out, or people are saying, oh, you know, okay, well, so he, he didn't look too great against Chad, Chaz Witherspoon, who isn't a top-tier heavyweight, so that means Chazora can get to him and beat him. But Chaz Witherspoon might not be a top-tier heavyweight, but he can do things as a heavyweight that Derek Chazora can't do. So you also have to play into, into that factor as well. And, I mean, there's guys... At heavyweight, especially when you've got these guys, and especially when you're betting on a fight, you've got to look at certain aspects of their game in someone like so Deontay Wilder, for example. I mean, you could probably dissect a good few things that Witherspoon can do better than than Wilder. Um, would I, you know, would I back Witherspoon to beat Wilder in a, in a in a fight? You know, no. I mean, like obviously I wouldn't because you know he has the equaliser and things like that. You could look back over history you've got someone like George Foreman or someone like that he was a great heavyweight champion but there was a lot more polished fighters than him so other aspects of his game yeah so Chaz Wilson does stuff that Chisora can't so you've always got to factor in that I just think that with this I think I just think I just can't see Chisora beating Usyk um, I think Usyk is a top quality heavyweight uh, well not necessarily a top quality heavyweight but a top quality fighter Um unified cruiserweight champion i think size might be an issue further down the line um when he if he does come up against an anthony joshua or a tyson fury i don't see it being an issue in this fight and i think i think usage will beat chisora fairly comfortably to be honest wouldn't surprise me even if he stopped him stopped him late on um tom touched on the fight before the tyson fury rematch the second fight i see it going a very similar way to how this one went where Chisora's coming forward, hunting after Usage, trying to get on his chest. Usage using his using his legs, using his feet, moving around, catching Chisora and effectively breaking him down and beating him up almost. Whether he can actually knock him out and stop him, I'm not sure, but I I don't see Chisora winning this one. The the interesting one for me is also then you kind of mentioned it there. Like there comes a point where Usyk is he's a cut above Chisora in terms of quality, but he's going to have to move up sooner or later. So where do you think he goes, assuming he then wins this fight? What's what's his journey like through? Does he find the smaller heavyweights to work through first? How does he get to that, like, Anthony Joshua, Tyson Fury type level? Yeah. I mean, he, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's, he, I think if you're the cruise, so he was the WBO cruiserweight champion. So I think that gives you an automatic, shot or a mandatory at the heavyweight championship so his i think joshua is the wbo championship so he's almost skipped through a lot of them contenders whereas other guys who are coming up from cruiserweight like a gas eye or someone like that would have to kind of go through a lot of other heavyweights before they even think about getting a title shot whereas he's come in got this shot against chisora so i believe if he beats chisora i think he's mandatory for anthony joshua um this will be a controversial view to many i Personally, don't think Eddie Hearn will put Usage near Chisora. And I think he's using this fight as a yardstick to see 
whether he will put him near Anthony Joshua because if if Usage looks very good and beats Chisora up and looks strong at the weight, I think Hearn's putting him in with um with with Usage, sorry, to basically test out what it's like. I think if if he does beat him, does beat him well, I I don't think they'll put Usage near Joshua because I think that if Usage does show that he can carry the weight and carry the power, um, I give him a very good chance of beating Joshua because I think technically he's much more skilled than Joshua. Um, and like I say again, Joshua's a you know he's a big guy, he's got the size, he's explosive. I just think that this is the reason why we're getting this fight to see that yardstick of where he's at, and I think Hearn's almost kind of weighing it up and seeing what happens in this fight as to whether he actually whether Joshua will probably vacate if he looks good or if he does if he doesn't look good then he'll we'll probably see usage versus Joshua Joshua straight away. But some people would disagree with that. I personally think that's why we're getting it, but I don't know what you think, Tom, if that's something that you agree with or not. Um yes and no. I, I don't necessarily think that's the reason why we're getting this fight. I think the plan was to make Usyk Joshua when Joshua signed with with Matra. I think that was always the, potentially the long term plan. I think politically, where Usyk goes from here is is going to come down to that WBO situation. Um, if Joshua wants to chase a fight with Fury and is potentially forced to vacate, you know, Usyk can sit on his mandatory and say, "I've I've earned this. Where's my shot?" Joshua then may, may need to vacate. Usyk steps into a world title against I don't know someone like Daniel Dubois um, and. You know, he 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 becomes a world champion without fighting Joshua in in the first place, which is quite an interesting um, situation for him. I think in terms of size, I mean, if you look at, you know, I've stood next to Usyk. He, he's a he's a big a big guy, um, and I think if you look at again like someone like Povetkin, and uh, you know, going further back, Evander Holyfield, size isn't necessarily a factor if the guy is talented enough. And I think Usyk, I think it's what six two six three you know 220 something like that he's good enough to beat most guys apart from maybe maybe you know someone like Fury who does the same kind of thing as Usyk but is, is so much bigger with it um I think if you look at the heavyweight picture Usyk is capable of beating most certainly most of them you know even being what he is now and without piling on any any further weight before we wrap up we've got a couple of minutes left and I know there's as we've already talked about, Dillian White in November, there's a couple of big fights. I mean, Luke Campbell, Ryan Garcia. Can't believe these words are coming out of my mouth, but Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. Outside of those ones that we'll probably touch upon in a, in a month or so's time when we do another podcast, is there anything else out there, kind of maybe smaller fights that people haven't picked up on because they're not so high profile that either of you two think potentially offers a, a bit of value out there for betters and, and one that maybe they should look at, not from a kind of profile of the fighter's perspective, but maybe one where the markets might look a little bit off. I'll, I'll let you both pick one out if you do have one. It's, uh, it's got to be Logan Paul Mayweather, isn't it? The, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, uh, yeah, joking aside, I mean, it's not the fight that really intrigues me. It's not necessarily a low, lower level one um, would be the, the Ryan Garcia versus Luke Campbell fight that's coming up. Um, fascinating fight at lightweight um you've got ryan garcia obviously the big talent um been given the big back in the promotion from golden boy going in against luke campbell who's you know kind of solid solid fighter um 
has boxed at world level, hasn't necessarily won at world level, but an Olympic gold medalist. Um, kind of one of them, one of them fights. The reason it, it, it fascinates me in a way where what we've got here is we've got a potential breakout star against someone who can potentially ruin that and we'll get a good yardstick to see where Garcia's at. Um, the fact that Campbell has boxed, you know, Lomachenko and done all right against him, went 12 rounds and, you know, boxed Linares, kind of had a close close decision with Linares. If Garcia can go in and kind of do a number on him, um, we could be looking at kind of a, you know, a, the next big star in boxing. Whether he does that or not is another thing. And I think if you, if you look across the books, I think uh, Garcia has been priced up around about 1.7-ish, Campbell around about 2.4. I think that the bookies kind of, agree with that that they 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 kind of think that Garcia is you know is good but they're kind of giving themselves margin for error almost with Campbell so short whether he is actually that good because he he talks a lot and you know does a lot of stuff on social media and people some people think he's the real deal some people don't I think that I'm a big fan of his I think that I think if you look back at his amateur record if you look at someone's amateur record he's beaten guys like Virgil as his junior Devin Haney in the amateurs um he used to be trained by a guy called Ricky Funes, who's a very well-respected American trainer. And he he rates Garcia very, very highly. So you can kind of tell from that that, you know, he is he is good. He is very good. It's just a matter of, you know, how good is he going to be this next big boxing sign of star? Or is he just going to be, you know, a decent world champion? And I think that what fascinates me with this fight is that, I think we will we will find that out in this fight. That that will this fight will give us you know the evidence that we need to see how good he really is, and that's what kind of fascinates me with this one so so much. And what about yourself, Tom? Anything jumps out for you in the next month or so? Um, I think the the issue with with picking out smaller fights in the next month or so is that they don't such as the way we're boxing betting. They don't often get priced up until much closer. So I, I've kind of picked out a couple. I'm going to try squeezing them in very quickly. One is an early price that's just starting to come out now. And it, again, it's not lower level, but it's it's a, a futures market, if you like, which would be uh, Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez in what, what would be an undisputed fight for the um, light welterweight um, title. And I'm sure we talk about that in, in more depth if it ever got made. But a lot of people call that 50-50 fight. Taylor opened... Uh, in a couple of spots around the industry at uh, eight to eleven, so it's at one point one point seven three. I think that's value. I think my my kind of tissue price had him about one point four four, one point uh, you know one point four, maybe even maybe even four to eleven, um, one three six, a little bit shorter. Um, it'd be interesting to see where that price goes. Um, and the last one I'm going to touch on actually is a, a fight involving a guy who who's only ever had one pro fight. Um, a little Irish guy, Irish guy called Conor McGregor, um, rumored to be fighting Manny Pacquiao um, potentially next summer. Um, <laughs> he was in a fairly, you know, low key fight last time, and uh, it didn't do very well. Uh, I think any any boxing expert watching him came to the conclusion that he couldn't really box all that much. I would say that in in kind of lieu of uh, any shorter kind of lower profile fights on the horizon, I'm going to start putting a few a few quid away each week between now and next summer, and. Uh, and enjoy myself. Where, just to briefly touch on it, so just like when you said that, it just made me laugh. But the um, where, where do you kind of stand on this? You know, this like thing that's come around with the celebrity and all this kind of stuff. Because in terms of the, in terms of the fights like Mayweather versus you know uh, Mayweather versus McGregor and things like that, 
it's because it is entertainment and everyone will watch it and I'll watch it, you'll watch it, Ben will watch it, you know, anything like that. But I kind of draw the line with ones where it's, you know, Mayweather going to fight Logan Paul on a YouTuber. I think that's just ridiculous. But in terms of when, if you're fighting, you know, someone like McGregor or things like that, I kind of, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with it. And I know the boxing purists and the hardcores hate it, but I do think that there is some legs in it and they are entertaining. Whereas when you get in these guys, you know, if the YouTubers are fighting each other, fair enough, that's fine. But if you're going to get someone like a, you know, an elite level fighter, fight a YouTuber, I think that's just, I mean, what are we, what are we moving into? Yeah. I mean, you, you know what, I think once you follow boxing for so long, you, you, you kind of hear the sublime to the ridiculous. And I think if you keep the, I mean, the way I see it and the way I stop myself probably getting worked up is I, I'm kind of past getting offended by these things you know it's clearly nonsense but you know if you look at May Mayweather McGregor or you know if you take a step back and don't get drawn into it if, is there money to be made there uh, I'm sure with McGregor Pacquiao if that happens there would be um there certainly oh, was yeah. in, in Mayweather McGregor that F Floyd Mayweather can yeah. fight Logan Paul for all I care um and <laughs> whatever he's at the price will be wrong so yeah just just it has, has, has there been prices put up for that then already? Has, it, has, has the prices started? Have they? No, but I'm willing to give or... you some prices off, off the record, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that'd be the thing. I mean, well, mate, well, stylistically, Pacquiao would probably just go straight through McGregor, wouldn't he? I would have so, yeah. a couple of rounds. Right, guys, I think that is, we, we booked an hour out. I think that's it. We, we have run out of time for today. It's, it's great chatting to you both, as always. Some great insight into the upcoming fights and, and of course, some helpful analysis of those odds as well. I'm sure the listeners will be grateful and I'm, I'm really looking forward to the next show already. So thanks for coming on. No problem. No problem, Ben. Thanks for having us on. Pleasure, Ben. Thank you. And thanks to everyone for listening. All of the odds that we've discussed on today's show are available on Pinnacle.com. We will be back again next month to work our way through the boxing calendar. But until then, enjoy the action, good luck with your bets, and remember to always gamble responsibly.